Hey, everybody, it is Drags Mike Petralia back with another episode of the Jungle Roar podcast powered by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Back with me tonight as we record this uh, after a long evening into morning down in Jacksonville, Florida, Everbank Stadium, is the one and only Ben Baby doing an outstanding job covering the Bengals for ESPN. Uh, dot com. You can catch all his work there. Also, I want you to follow him on IG threads. He's a big fan of the platform and for good reason. His handle there is bbaby41, all one word. You like that, Ben? I love it. I love it. Listen, I have, I've really, you know, we'll see how threads does, but I've really enjoyed the yep. Instagram stuff. It does. Uh, it's probably kept me a little busier than I've wanted, to be honest, but I've had a lot of fun doing it. But I appreciate the plug. And, yes, it's been a long night. I've got some coffee here. So let's talk uh, some Bengals because I'll tell you what, we probably got a lot more than we thought we were going to get to talk yes. about in that Jacksonville game. I said that to a number of reporters, uh, Kelsey Conway, among others, walking down to the locker room. I'm like, I frankly did not see this coming. Uh, you know, it's a great story for what Jake Browning did. Uh, you tweeted out uh, a statistic, and I want to bring it up just so I have it uh, accurate here. It's a remarkable statistic. Per ESPN Stats and Info, Bengals quarterback Jake Browning is the first undrafted player since 1967 and that's common draft era, to throw for 350 passing yards and complete 85 passes, 85% uh, of his passes in a single game. That is a remarkable statistic, Ben. Yeah, he, he played uh, out of his mind, and it wasn't just dink and dunk passes either. Uh, you look at you know what he was able to do. He was able to fit the ball in the tight windows, uh, make key throws in, in uh, tough situations. I mean, we got a glimpse as to why he won the backup quarterback job and why the Bengals felt yep. good about him being the uh, potentially being the backup quarterback going into the season after losing Brandon Allen after uh, last year. And I think that Browning uh, should really be commended. I mean, you talk about a guy who has had to wait a long time for his opportunity, has done a lot of work, has made a, you know, stay, stayed the course throughout all of the uncertainty of whether he'd ever get a crack. And when his team sure. really needed it, you know, he was phenomenal. I thought yesterday, you know, a couple big throws late in regulation and in overtime on third down uh, to either get points or put the team in position uh, to win that game was really impressive. And I think the biggest thing, Trags, that we learned is that there is no excuse for this Bengals team now. This offense is good enough yeah. to make the postseason if they can get hot at the right time, which they obviously will need. But, you know, there are no more questions about what they can do or what they can't do without Burrow. They clearly are good enough to be able to win games. Third and two at their own 24-yard line. And you think, well, they're going to be conservative. They only need two yards. Uh, maybe they'll throw to the tight end. Maybe they'll run the ball. Certainly on Monday night, we actually saw the Bengals run the ball 30 times, 27, I guess, or 28 if you take away uh, the runs of uh, Jake Browning. But they actually ran the ball. But on that third and two, in the third quarter, Jake Browning throws his best pass of the night. He Not just because it was a 76-yard touchdown to Jamar Chase, but because it was a dime right on the money on the sideline. It had to be in a perfect spot, hit Jamar Chase really pretty much in stride, and it was Katie bar the door. I, I was just so impressed by so many aspects of that play, uh, not the least of which 
is that Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan trusted Jake to throw that ball. Yeah, hold on. Can you what you said Katie bar the door? What does that mean? Katie bar the door uh means uh don't hold anything back. And Katie bar the door is an expression uh Ben of there was no holding back. Uh let it all hang out. Uh let it loose. How's that? Does that uh, uh help what you is that What's the I feel like I'm at the spelling bee now. Can I get the source of origin? Oh boy, I'd have to look that up. Uh, you know what? Answer the question. I'll tell you what. I'll make a deal with you. Uh-huh. I'll look it up and you answer the question. Go okay. ahead. Now, now, now I need the question again. Um, about uh, I guess it was about the aggressiveness, correct? The aggressiveness down. of on third and two in on the first drive of the third quarter when right. the Bengals had uh, made a stop got the ball back from Jacksonville. Actually, one of the better defensive stands that the Bengals had in that game was Jacksonville gets the ball uh, to start the second half. They force a punt, and then uh, the Bengals get the ball, and they have third and two at their own, uh, let's see, 24-yard line, and Jake Browning pulls the trigger on that bomb. Yeah, I think that was huge, and I thought what Browning said after the game was really interesting in that you know, the fact that they were able to run the ball uh, effectively early and especially uh, in a running situation, you get that down in distance. Like you mm-hmm. said, you were expecting potentially the Bengals to go on the ground. And that was actually the perfect time to get a one-on-one matchup with Jamar Chase on the outside. I really like the aggressiveness from Zach Taylor. Uh, you know, I think that's a throw that you you feel comfortable letting Jake Browning go, you know, make it because, you know, there's only – a couple of things really bad that can occur. You have an incompletion, obviously you punt, but you know, if he misses, you know, it's more likely on a, on a, on a sideline ball that there's a good chance. If you miss outside, uh, you're probably, it's going to be an incompletion. It's going to be out of bounds. So you don't have to worry about it that way. And then you've got a lot of trust that Jamar chase is going to be able to, to make something happen uh, on the ball when it comes his way, uh, if it was underthrown or whatever it may be. So I think you should feel all it's uh, that's the luxury of having a guy like Jamar chase is that, you know, that as Burrow has said before, Jamar is down there somewhere. And, you know, I think that was a, a massive play, not just for the game, but to give this team confidence yeah. that this offense can go out and make those big plays and, and trends. Let's be honest. Even when Joe Burrow was healthy, we were not seeing that level of explosiveness from this offense. That's that, that big play capability was something that I believe had been lacking. I know we've seen it in spurts, but you know, by and large, it felt like a, a throwback to really the 2021 season when you saw a lot of go balls to Jamar and they were really, it, it added a new dynamic uh, to the offense at the time. And so, I mean, I, I think that is huge for them moving forward, giving them confidence in a lot of games that I think are very winnable for them. Hey, football fans, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time than now to get in on all the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and get in on all of the fun action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. 
first online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You know, after the game, ask Jake Browning about that play, and he said, if we're not running the ball as effectively as we were during the game, he probably doesn't uh, get the busted coverage in uh, one-on-one man coverage on the outside. And I also asked Orlando Brown uh, Jr. the same question after the game, you know, after he had uh, spoken about jackass. Um, I pulled him aside privately and asked him about uh, that play, and he said they were going to be in cover two normally in situations like that on film, but because the Bengals were successful uh, running the ball last night and were committed to it, they came out of their uh, cover two shell a little bit. And that is why uh, Jamar Chase was more open on the outside. Yeah. You know, last night was a very interesting night for uh, establish the run discourse. I am still anti team established. I know you are. I don't know. I know that I am in the minority amongst us on the beat uh, about that concept. And many in Cincinnati, I I know that for a fact. And I do agree with the philosophy of if the numbers aren't there, there is no point in running the ball. If you're able to pass the ball for more yards, it's a more effective way to go down the field. Uh, Like I I like to tell people uh, in in the great state of Texas and down south, that there's a certain way we play the game of football and we like to throw it around a little bit. You do. However, Trags, I have come around to the Midwestern sensibilities of how football can have a a sense of balance to it. And I, I think that the more time I've spent in the NFL, I think you cannot go because these the the defenses are too good, edge rushers are too good. Uh, you cannot just go and, and drop back as much as we've seen the Bengals do. And you've got to have some sort of a run game that opponents are nervous about, not necessarily scared, but they at least have to account for it. And, and so often right. you've seen defenses not even account for the run, uh, which makes it difficult for the Bengals to throw the ball. Because essentially that's what this is about, right? When you talk yeah. about establishing the run it's so you are able to pass the ball effectively it's almost a a it's a uh you know a backdoor way of saying we know passing the ball is incredibly important it's the most important thing and if we are able to run the ball effectively it's going to make it easier for us to pass so that i get that sentiment of it but i think yesterday you you were able to have confidence in calling run plays because they're not going to be empty runs you know that chase brown you know who i thought was very good in his first real look in an NFL game. Um, you know, I thought he had some really good runs, had that big, I believe, 31-yard run uh, that showed that explosiveness that the Bengals have lacked in the ground game. I thought Joe Mixon was very efficient, as he has been throughout the course of the season. And I think that combination is very uh, interesting, and I think that could add a layer of this offense that could help Browning out towards the end of the season. By the way, per grammarist, we're going to clean up some business here. Katie bar the door. Katie bar the door is an exclamation. Ben, you should know this is an exclamation. That means watch out. Trouble is on its way. It's an American phrase usually heard in the Southern United States per grammarist. So you should know that Ben. I I don't know. Maybe if we go to like Bama, Mississippi, Georgia, I don't even know what part of the South, the South is a very large 
uh, swath of the country. I have not. It's an interesting thing. I thought it was like a reference to like from like Cheers or or Mash or who knows. I would love to know where this comes from. So I'm not trying to age you here, Trags, but I think that's a. I'm, I would love to know. It's got to come from somewhere. Right? I didn't make it up. I, I, I'm just telling you, Ben. I did not make it up. So we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, let's get back to the seriousness uh, of the uh, Monday night win, the 34-31 overtime win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It takes the Bengals to 6-6, six and six, and certainly in the playoff conversation now, if uh, they can beat the Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, are in the number seven spot officially as we enter this week, uh, week 14, I believe it is, on the NFL schedule. Uh, Indy is in that seventh playoff position. That's the third wild card spot, uh, and they enter it uh, seven and five. Bengals beat Indy. They have the tiebreaker with Indy. And then uh, if you're talking really down the road, I think, Ben, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you, if you're a Bengal fan, you start pulling for the Houston Texans to win the division so that you're not battling with Houston for, uh, you know, in a tiebreaker scenario because you obviously lost to Houston. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's really tight when you look at it. You know, you look at really, you know, the the third seed, which is Kansas City, and then all the way down to the 11th current seed in Buffalo. There's only two games that separate all of those teams. And so there's going to be a lot that happens between now and the end of the season. And if you're Cincinnati, you've got to find a lot of solace that teams that are ahead of you in that wild card battle, you know, you're going to face Indianapolis. You're going to face uh, Pittsburgh. You're going to have a shot at Kansas city uh, later on in the season. And, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of matchups that, you know, the Bengals can still get, find a way to get into the postseason. And I agree, you know, you could, I would, you would, if you're a Bengals fan, you might want to root for uh, the Texans to be able to go in there and, uh, you know, maybe win the division. That way you have the tiebreaker over a potential wildcard team, team against Jacksonville. But, you know, all signs, you know, the Bengals can, you know, and I don't want to overreact too much. It's to one, one game. game. I get so that. I, so, but if they can play at a similar level and just be competitive and be in these games, then they have a shot to make that week 18 game against Cleveland really be for something. And I think that, you know, even if you do not feel this is a team that can compete for a championship and let's be honest, tracks, even if Joe Burrow had been healthy the whole season, I still have very serious concerns about the caliber of this team as it pertains to it being a championship level contender. Like we've seen the last couple of years. Uh, I, I think that still is in question, but if you're able to get in to the wild card and at least extend that postseason streak to three years, I think inside the building, you've got to feel really good about the effort you got and then figure out a way to make this team better moving forward. If Anton Harrison is not called for holding Sam Hubbard, we're not having this conversation right now. I mean, right? I mean, we're assuming, you know, that with the Calvin Ridley catching the ball down at the two-yard line uh, in overtime with time at that point not being a factor, uh, Jaguars go in for the touchdown. It's ball game, and Jaguars win. Bengals are 5-7. and seven. Great, you know, story for, you know, Obviously, Jake Browning putting up the numbers he did, but the Bengals are, for all intents and purposes, on the outside looking in. But because Sam Hubbard was held, uh, the Bengals took you know full advantage of it. Give credit to Jermaine Pratt; he came up with a big play, tackled Ridley for a four-year four-yard loss on the next passing play, and then Jaguars punted. 
Those are the kind of things that did happen to the 2021 team when, ironically, they got on a late season run, finished 10 and 7. But that was, again, with Burrow. This is Jake Browning. And my question here to you, Ben, is how good and how much can Jake Browning build off the Monday night game? And is it a realistic standard going forward? Uh, I think there's, uh, to, to answer both questions, first off, I think that there is a lot he can build from this, a lot of confidence that he can get, that he can go out against a good Jacksonville defense. Let's not get it twisted. This was a very strong uh, Jaguars unit when you look at uh, some of their defensive rates. You know, this was a, a team that had done uh, pretty well. And, and, you know, you talk to people in Jacksonville, there were questions about why the offense kind of has sputtered over the course of the season. And the defense has been one of the primary reasons why this team has been so good this year. And for Jake Browning to go out there and do what he did, uh, that was really impressive. Now, that being said, I do think that it is unreasonable to think that Jake Browning is going to continue to do this. Like you said earlier uh, in the podcast, he did something that no undrafted quarterback has ever done. And you're going to need, and the Bengals still had to win a game in overtime. So you will have to naturally expect that there will be some regression I think you're hoping that you get something in between what he looked like against Pittsburgh and what he looked like against Jacksonville. And I think that's plenty good enough to be competitive. You cannot have some of the miscues that you had in that game against Jacksonville. You can't, uh, you know, if you're a Tyler Boyd, throw that uh, screen, that whatever oh, that trick is supposed to be. We need to get to that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it number one. I mean, they called it twice. They must have felt really good uh, about that. But uh, I think that probably should be the last time we see that play. Uh, you want to try to take advantage of some turnover opportunities when they present themselves. Uh, you can't let C.J. Beathard just go down and, and no. really effortlessly move the ball down the field with the game on the line. Also unacceptable uh, if you're the Bengals. So I think there are some things that you do have to clean up that are bigger issues. But, you know, if you're able to get a, a kind of a serviceable game from Browning that's in between what, he, what he's done over the last couple of weeks, this is a team that should be competitive and be in each one of these games. The one thing I don't understand about that Tyler Boyd double pass that was picked off by the other Josh Allen, it was intended, they say, for Joe Mixon because Josh Allen completely blocked out Joe Mixon. You don't see him from our perspective in the in the press box. We couldn't see him across the field. So we, you know, then looked at the replay, and yeah, Joe Mixon was on the other side of Josh Allen. Why are you pulling that play when you're starting quarterback when Browning was at that time 19 of 21 for like 224 yards and uh, I don't think he had thrown the touchdown or you know he had thrown the touchdown they were up 21 14 and at that point when they called that play it was 21 21 but to call that uh, that play at your own 15 yard line Zach and, and Brian I you know, I know they want to use all of the tricks in their in their playbook, especially when it's in the passing game. But I think it's time to retire that one, like you said. It was it's a little too cute. Listen, and Tyler Boyd, he can throw the ball a little bit. You know, he I believe he has some quarterback experience uh, back in his high school days. Uh, so he's he's has some ability to be able to throw the ball. However, I would I would advise against that. I think it's just a case of sometimes throw uh, it downfield, Ben. Throw yeah. it vertical. If you're going to make that mistake and it gets picked off, let's say 30, 40 yards down the field, it's not nearly as egregious. You gave Jacksonville in a tie game the ball at your own nine yard line on a silly play. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, honestly, no matter who the, you take Tyler Boyd out of the equation, it's just a pass that should never be thrown if you think about it from a schematic standpoint, a ball across the middle of the field horizontally is ideally deep in your own territory. Correct. Yes. Yeah. With that much traffic there. I mean, normally when you see a, a throw back across the line of scrimmage, I like Zach kind of mentioned, there isn't as much noise at the line of scrimmage, but because of how many folks were there, uh, that was just not going to work. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't, I don't fault Boyd because, you know, he's not a guy who sits there and throws the ball. He's not a quarterback by trade. And so, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that did not work out, but you know, I, I think that, all you know that is going to be forgiven because of how good the Bengals looked offensively. Zach Taylor, yes. I think you've got to give him a ton of credit for yes. how the offense moved. And, and let's be let's be frank here. You know he had come under some criticism. I know you see it from the fan base, especially online, over how good this offense has been, even with Burrow. And I thought that was a you know we we had a stock up, stock down as we do after games on ESPN.com. And uh, you know my stock up was Zach Taylor for how good that offense looked, and I think um, you know if you're a Bengals fan, you've got to have confidence that you know this offense can be good, and, and Taylor is a big part of that. You know what I think his best adjustment last night was after the first drive, it was uh, rolling Jake out, Jake Browning out more on the boot, and it he he looked like a more comfortable, natural quarterback. He looked more like, I think, his University of Washington days when he set all those passing records. He was throwing very accurately on the run out of the boot, and he just looked. You could tell as soon as he became a little bit more mobile in the passing game, he was much more comfortable. Yeah, I think, and that's huge. You want to get your quarterback settled into a game early, give him that confidence, so then you can go and progress uh, through the playbook, through the call sheet, over the course of the game. So I think you have to give credit where credit's due. And, and like, like I said, I think Zach deserves a ton of credit. The trick play is notwithstanding for how right. good that offense looked. Right. And I think that uh, they called a really good game. I would agree with that a hundred percent, Ben. I'm going to, I want, as we finish up here uh, on this podcast after I, I, I would call it the most thrilling win of the season for the Bengals, all things considered. And what was at stake? It was a season saving win. There's no question about that. I want to talk about two moments post game in the locker room. And I think, you know, the two I'm talking about, I felt like being a little bit evil from Jamar chase and two, the jackass dance stunt from Orlando Brown jr. I want your takeaway from the two of those incidents, because I'll tell you why I thought, and I wrote this uh, in my column for today on CLNSCincy.com. The reason that was significant is I thought it showed a genuine chip on their shoulder, Ben. And I think for a team that was languishing about the loss of Joe Burrow for the season, I think that's a kick in the ass. And I think that could be, it could be a good thing going forward. Yeah. You know, I, I completely agree. And I tried to get it out of Jamar after the game as to maybe why he felt like he needed to be evil, but you know, he said that, Oh, you know, I, I think he didn't want to throw anybody under the bus or really make a whole lot out of nothing, but I don't think that it should be overlooked that he had comments about the energy last week yes. and how it was not good. And, you know, and he was, you know, he's, he was kind of, I don't know if he was making jokes or he was kind of fed up, but he said, you know, maybe guys were, it was kind of unusual comments. He said, Oh, maybe, maybe it was cold outside or maybe they didn't feel like showing up to work today or, or things of that nature. And I think Jamar, you know, is someone, especially when you look at it, you're talking about somebody 
who is in a con in a contract year essentially wants to get a massive extension at the top of the market next year you know there is a lot personally at stake for jamar right and so he doesn't really have time to be sitting here and feeling sorry for himself or the fact that his quarterback is now out for the year you know he still has to go out and produce has to perform and i think the fact that he wanted and he kind of downplayed this but you know i still believe that you know there has to be a part of him that wanted to come out there and have an edge and say, this is how we're going to play. We're going to go out and have the confidence, have that swagger that, that we see when the team has been really good. Uh, you know, Jamar, you know, we, we've seen the, uh, the double birds that he's flashed to make a Fitzpatrick. Uh, we know what he can do, uh, what he can be like on the other side of the ball. When he starts chirping, um, we know how the, how the Bengals, the self-confidence that they have uh, when they've been rolling the last couple of years, we saw glimpses of that last night for a team that entered the game under 500, uh, you know, and I think that's huge. I think the fact that Orlando, uh, you know, just spontaneously said that, you know, he was, he just, he just looked in the camera and delivered a, a strong jackass. I got some big Eddie Murphy vibes. I feel like if, if I had an Eddie Murphy voiceover, it would have been perfect in that situation. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. I, I'm telling you. No, just, I, I, I'm laughing because I agree. Yeah. I, it was just, it was a surreal moment. And, uh, you know, and you, you and me and, and everybody else in the press box, we see it go viral, but when, when you don't see it live on TV as it's happening, it's a different impact. But when you actually see the video of him just, and all of a sudden everything stops and he yells jackass, it's hilarious. And, you know, I just think, you know, whether or not he gets fined by the NFL, who knows um, he might, uh, but I think it kind of delivered this message that we got to play loose. We got to play free and we don't give enough. You know, I think that's kind of the attitude uh, that, you know, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. was expressing there. And I think, you know, it's kind of a signal from the team on on the behalf of Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, we do hear what's being said and we do hear when we are being disrespected um the air quotes coming into play there when we are disrespected we're going to respond to it yeah you know we've seen that time and time again from this team it's it's almost like they they relish like like most teams do when they are counted out and they've got something to prove uh and you know i'll be honest i had questions about what exactly this team was playing for how much uh this team was really right. going to fight down the, down the stretch you know we've seen kind of the, you know, being, you know, with us being around the team, you know, I think we've seen enough over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, especially in games. And then, you know, as we kind of go about our business and wondered really, what is this team going to look like moving forward? It's a big gut check time. And the fact that they got riled up, that everybody counted them out. I mean, you saw the line, they were double digit underdogs on some sports books uh, to a Jacksonville team that, that is good, but I don't think the Bengals should ever be at this stage in their franchise, a double digit underdog to anybody. And so I think that there was a lot that they needed to prove. And I think that, you know, they, uh, you know, I think they wanted to show that they're not out of the woods yet. This is still a competitive team. They still have a lot that they can play for. And, you know, Zach mentioned that earlier in the week, but, you know, I'll be honest when I asked Zach, if he felt like this was still a playoff team, you know, I don't know if I was really expecting him to say, yeah, you know, I think we can still make a push. You know, I was maybe expecting a little more coach speak and a softer answer, but I think this shows why he genuinely believes that this team still has a lot to play for. And I think if you're, if you're on that roster right now, you know, you've got to have a lot of pride that you want to go out there and close this year out 
as strong as possible. And if you can make the postseason, uh, that is huge. I think everyone's going to look at that as a significant accomplishment given the circumstances. And, you know, there were, like we said earlier, there's going to be a lot that needs to be retooled in the offseason moving forward right. for this team to compete for a Super Bowl. But you have to know that at your core in the locker room, that you're built a certain way. Uh, and these kind of moments uh, bring that out. And I thought Zach Taylor uh, highlighted that point in his press conference after the game. They found their purpose on Monday night, Ben. That's what I think. I think they found their purpose. Now they could go out and throw out a stinker against Indy. And, you know, frankly, I, I don't think I'd be that shocked if that happened. Or uh, they could build upon this, beat Indy, and then they have to beat uh, Minnesota at home, a team they frankly should beat again. Another backup, Josh Dobbs, right? Now they're going to see that, see Josh Dobbs for a second time uh, this season. Dobbs isn't out, right? He's still playing for Minnesota. I believe so. It's so tough to keep up with all these. I mean, there's so many right quarterbacks now. getting dinged up and sent to the bench, but see Josh Dobbs, a quarterback they've already beaten. Then you have the Steelers who may or may not be with, uh, without uh, Kenny Pickett. He got uh, banged up and knocked out of the game against the Cardinals. Losing, by the way, to the Cardinals, you know, a three-win team, was it, by 14 points at home. Again, that's you know inexcusable. That should never happen to a Mike Tomlin coach team. So you're talking about three games in a row now where you could draw up a scenario realistically where the Bengals should win. If they won all three of those games, they're nine and six. They're not going to win the division. We all know that. That is, that ship has sailed and it's in the mid Atlantic, not coming back. But getting to the playoffs is what they're playing for. And again, on Monday night, I think we you saw some sole purpose to that effect. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. You know, any concept that, that maybe, you know, that the, the best days of the Bengal season were behind them and, you know, they were maybe just kind of, you know, biding their time until the off season. I always thought that was, you know, when you we heard that you saw all the draft talk, people were already, you know, working up their mock drafts. I go, this isn't the 2019 or 2020 Bengals. Like no. this is not a bad roster. See, it's a team that, that should be good enough to be competitive against a lot of teams who have backup quarterbacks. So, you know, the Bengals, for them to go out there, you know, I'm fully expecting them to, to at least win one or two more games. I mean, there's no reason that this team shouldn't be uh, competitive against the likes of Minnesota, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. I mean, those four teams are not very good teams. I'm going to be quite honest. They are not, they're, they're not good. And I don't know how good the Bengals are, but, you know, I, they, for what they are, they should easily be competitive in those games. And Trags, you know me, I am not uh, always the most optimistic person about this franchise. So if I'm saying say. that they should be four and one, I firmly believe it. It's not, I'm not just blowing smoke for blowing smoke's sake. So I, I think that there is a lot that, that this team can still show. And like you said, I, I agree. I think there is a purpose to be had and it wouldn't shock me either if they come out and maybe were a bit complacent. Uh, but, you know, I think it's, you know, up to folks to keep asking those questions and we'll see uh, if that ship remains, if they continue to have success and they stack another win this Sunday. He is Ben Baby, does a tremendous job covering the Cincinnati Bengals for ESPN.com. Be sure to follow him on Instagram threads. You can do so with his handle bbaby41, all one word. Uh, what's the significance of 41? Anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the big German. I should have a, a I wish I had a, an artifact. Oh, a Dirk. Uh, and you don't have to look for it. Dirk yeah. Nowitzki. 
Oh, of course. Yeah, here you go. Look at that. There's that 41 right here. Mark. There we tent. go. The only Whataburger tent I've ever stolen is obviously I had a 41. I was like, this is coming home with me. Uh, so that's a, a rite of passage. Also, I did get me some good food in uh, in Florida. I got some Whataburger, got me a Publix uh, deli. So oh, yes. You, by the way, you were raving with some Bengals staff officials on the field before the game as uh, we were walking back up uh, to the press box uh, before the game started. And you were raving about Publix down in Jacksonville. Yes. Yeah. If you, uh, if you get the chance, uh, I, the grocery store, it's fine, but the deli really is solid. Get you a chicken tender sub, get it tossed in some Buffalo sauce, throw some cheese on there, uh, get it toasted. You're going to be set. I'm a big fan of food. So I will savor that the next time I'm at a Publix, which uh, has that available to me. How's that? That sounds great. I think uh, the, the, the better we can eat, the better we're living. So I'm all for that. Amen. Well, he is Ben Baby. I want to thank Ben for joining me uh, on this edition of the podcast. want to thank everybody out there. And of course, thank our sponsor. That would be FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive online wagering partner of CLNS Media Network. For Ben Baby, I'm Mike Petralia. And until next week, keep that jungle roaring.